the conference started on Thursday, but they wanted me to go ahead and do a, a Zoom. We oftentimes on Wednesdays we do a faith. We call it faith school, where we just teach on the topic of faith. And so they still wanted to do the Zoom call on Wednesday after I'd flown for eight hours and, and arrived at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, and so who knows what I said, right? I mean, I couldn't tell you what I said, you know. I wasn't even there. I was still somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean, you know. And so, uh, but, um, but I went, it, it was fine. And then the, the conference started on Thursday. So I preached Wednesday, uh, I guess every day, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, and then we came back on Monday. And so... Uh, it was a good a good conference. It wasn't an evangelistic type of meeting, so you know we weren't so much focused on uh, getting people saved. We were focused on uh, equipping the saints, right, to perfect the saints uh, for the work of the ministry. Uh, and the Lord gave me just a really great message uh, over that conference there. Maybe one of these days I'll, I'll preach that here. You know, it's stuff I hadn't ever seen before. Thought, That's really good, Lord. I, you know, uh, someone should preach that. Uh, and so. But the Lord's always kind to, to do that, amen? He's always, uh, you know, you don't get under pressure about things. And, uh, and of course, the, the first night they wanted me to teach on, on leadership. Uh, so um, we just taught on the aspects of leadership. Uh, and, um, you know, if you're going to be a leader, uh, uh, you know, the easiest thing, uh, they were telling me about one person in particular that had left the church because they wanted so much to be a leader in the church. Uh, and they never were they never were promoted to be a leader in the church. And, um, um, you know, from my perspective, if you want to be a leader in the church, it's the easiest thing in the world. Just be the biggest servant in the church. Amen. If you want to be a leader in the church, be the biggest servant. Amen. Because uh, that's what Jesus told us. You know, he said, although, you know, he's the, he's the Lord God himself. He says he came into the earth. He said, I came to serve, not to be served to. Uh, even though he was well worthy to be served, wasn't he? Amen. And he was served, you know, many of the women that was there in the ministries assisted him and, and aided him. And, and uh, not that he was ever, you know, he, he always uh, uh, was invited to the, to the most prominent seats in, in the, uh, when he visited people's homes uh, because of his position and, and uh, his ranking in, in their culture. Uh, but still, he came to serve, amen? And, um, and so um, it's the easiest thing. Huh? What's that? Well, sure. Um, the Lord Jesus was an example for us. Yeah. That we are supposed to serve each other. Yeah. In this life, and this world is not right Yeah. Um, well, that's that's our our um, greatest calling is to be a servant, I believe, uh, and um, uh, and so you know we should serve. Of course, you know uh, the difficulty that people have sometimes, especially in serving in the church is uh, oftentimes people end up elevating the pastor above his position, amen? And of course, uh, um, I'm, uh, I, I repeat this on a regular basis for your benefit, but primarily for my benefit that I'm unworthy to be worshiped. Uh, but really, if we, the balance we can find, the Bible always talks about serving God first. If you'll always serve God first, but the Bible also talks about serving man. But if you always keep it in that order, serve God first and man second, uh, if you'll keep that balance, see, then sometimes men will make a mistake. And then you don't serve that, right? You don't serve when they say, well, you need to go rob a bank for me. You know, we're a little low on our tithes and offerings this week. Uh, well, the pastor said to do it. I guess I got to go do it. Well, of course, you wouldn't do that. That sounds absurd. But, but many times, you know, pastors will ask people to do things that, you know, uh, 
maybe in the gray area, or, or, or it's not even um, something that, that's directly unbiblical, but it could be something that your heart won't let you do, like say something or do something. Uh, and, and, and so uh, you always serve God first. If the Spirit of God in you says don't do that, then you don't do that. It doesn't matter who it is, right? And I was telling the folks in the leadership meeting that, you know, I, I served my pastor for 20 years. And maybe, uh, I said on one hand, but I don't think it's five times, maybe two or three times, uh, he asked me to do things that I was uh, unwilling to do. And, and I was unwilling to do them because my heart wouldn't let me do it. The Spirit of God in me would not let me do it. And so I didn't do it. Now, you know, there was ramifications, right? He was not one to say no to. But I served God, Amen. And, I, and he died for me. Nobody else in this world died for me. Amen. And, and I'll, you know, I will be a great servant to whoever until you, until you cross the line and, and you ask me to do something that's un, unethical. And I had a boss like that. You know, Christians should be the greatest employees of the world, right? Because we know how to serve better than anybody else. But uh, if your boss, and I've had my boss ask me to do something that was unethical one time, and he asked me publicly in a, in a meeting because sometimes people will put you on the spot, right? They'll ask you to do something publicly that was, that's unethical. And so I publicly said no, which made he was another person you never said no to. He didn't die for me, you know. Uh, he didn't shed any blood for me. I, I, I had no fear at all of saying no. I wasn't disrespectful about it. I, said, I just said, no, I'm not doing that. I said, but what I will do is I'll fix this problem that you want me to fix without being unethical. I didn't add that unethical part here, but I just said I'll, I'll fix it. Uh, and it'll be correct, but I won't have to compromise in order to do that. And if you'll do that, if you'll live that way, the Lord always will be on your side and he'll assist you in having great revelation that, that outsmarts everybody. Because later on, the boss told me, well, you know, good guys finish last. And I said, no, they don't, which, of course, made him mad too, right? And so, you know, it's uh, uh, the world loves to, uh, you know, the, the thing about it is, you know, he was uh, vice president, grand poobah, whatever he was. He had a fancy home. It's all dirt, right? I'm going to stand before the great Lord Jesus someday, and that man will be a very small man in heaven. If he even makes it to heaven, I, you know, uh, I don't even know if he's still alive anymore. Um, at that point in time, you know, I, I, I would, if, if I had put money on it, I would say he was not on his way to heaven. Uh, and so there's a lot of people in the eyes of God are small people. In their own eyes or in the eyes of humanity, they're big people. But um, the only big people with the Lord are great servants. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so it was a great conference. It went well. Uh, I enjoyed the, some other ministers that were there as well that preached. And um, uh, enjoyed getting to hear some of the other ministers as well. And, of course, Pastor Gerard. Many of you met Pastor Gerard. He was here. He actually came to visit on a Wednesday night one time uh, last year. And uh, he just happened to be in America and wanted to come see us at the church because I've been over to see his, uh, him and his family and his church many times. And so it was good to see him here. Amen. And, uh, uh, and he's, got, uh, he's got such a great testimony. That, you know, for years he's struggled financially with different things. And then COVID hit, which, of course, the whole world stopped spinning. They shut their churches down for 18 months. And so he could not have church for 18 months. They would allow him to go into the church building and he would preach to empty chairs uh, on live by live stream like we do, you know. Uh, and so he did that for 18 months. That's amazing. And, and many churches folded and, and uh, ended up being bankrupt because of that. Uh, he said their finances were fine. The church's finances were fine throughout the COVID. Uh, but in the middle of COVID, 
uh, he ended up through a, a long, uh, I, don't, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but he ended up getting all kinds of contracts with the government to assist him in some of their healthcare stuff. And his finances just completely turned around 180 degrees. Uh, and um, uh, he's doing very well financially now. And, and, and um, it's just a blessing, amen. He, he was uh, just a faithful servant for all of those years. And, and then uh, through a, a very unusual uh, set of circumstances, the Lord, uh, uh, he was the guy, right? And he was, uh, now that, of course, the, that area of, of healthcare, especially in, uh, in, the, uh, in the EU, uh, which is where Ireland's a part of, uh, very regulated, even more so than here. And he got these contracts and he wasn't even on the list. You know, they have, uh, they have approved suppliers and he was not on the list. They're like, how, how are you, you're not on the list. How, why, you know, why do we pick you? You're not on the list. Well, the Lord helped me with that, amen. Uh, and so uh, it's a great testimony and I'm glad to see, you know, see my friend uh, being uh, financially uh, prosperous now. And, um, and he's always been a faithful giver to the Lord and a tither. And so, you know, the Lord, he doesn't tell you when, but he does always uh, take care of us, amen. Uh, and so uh, let's uh, open up our, our Bibles for the book of Philippians chapter four. We'll get, we'll get started tonight. So uh, we'll continue on. We started chapter four, I think, before we left, and uh, we talked about the crown there and went through several scriptures uh, uh, in different types of crowns that it seems like the Lord is going to reward us with. And, um, you know, there are rewards uh, for serving the Lord. Amen. He told Peter in Mark chapter 10 that uh, if you've given up anything for my sake and the gospel's sake, he said, you shall receive a hundredfold uh, houses and lands and children and, and, and such. He said, in this life and in, in the next life, uh, you'll receive eternal life. Uh, and so uh, it, the Lord does desire to take care of us uh, on the earth. Amen. Uh, he put us on the earth. Why would he abandon us? Amen. Much of the church seems to really struggle with the concept. Of, they, they, they call it uh, the prosperity gospel as if that's a negative. And I'm thinking, well, that sounds like a perfectly, perfectly good description to me, right? Uh, and so... Can we get out of balance in that? 100% we can, but can you get out of balance in the other way and have the poverty gospel? Sure you can, right? I'm not sure putting those two words together is the correct order, right? Poverty gospel, right? Because it's good news. Is poverty good news to anybody? Lord, more than anything, I want to be completely broke. Uh, anybody praying that way? Now, some people say, Lord, I don't want any of the, worldly, any of the world's goods, you know, they'll just, and they'll feign humility. Uh, and it's like, well, you don't want to eat? That's the world's goods. You don't want to have a, uh, a roof over your head. You don't want a car. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, uh, if you've got too much stuff, then just give it away. Yep. It was, I mean, you know, I never have understood why the whole, you know, uh, people that are broke need somebody to give them something. People that are wealthy have something to give to somebody. Amen. Uh, and so uh, it, it's, uh, um, I don't know. And later on at the end of chapter four, uh, Paul does have quite a long discussion about uh, finances and prosperity, and, and when we get to that, we'll go into that in more detail. Uh, so there is a reward. Uh, in fact, uh, Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For they that cometh God must believe first that He is, and that He is a what? Rewarder of those who what? Diligently, Diligently seek Him. Well, the Lord never gives me anything. Well, you just hold off on yourself because the re the prerequisite for being rewarded is to be, is to diligently seek him. Amen. Not just, well, I, I came to church every Easter and Christmas, you know, that's not really diligence. Amen. 
Uh, and my, my pastor friend, he had been diligently seeking the Lord, you know, for probably decades, I suppose. Uh, and, uh, and the Lord has rewarded him in his life. Uh, is that the most important thing in his life? It's not. It's, it's not hardly anywhere up to the top ten, really. Uh, but it's still pretty helpful, amen, to have all your needs met. Uh, and so then he gets into, so he's kind of winding up, uh, in chapter 4, he's kind of winding this letter up, right? So this is a letter written to a church. And uh, so he gets, uh, in the, starting in verse 2, so, so like he does in most of the, the letters, he starts addressing some local church issues, right? So this is not so much, uh, he talks about uh, Yodius, uh, this lady here by the name Yodius, and this other uh, lady by the name of uh, uh, Syntyche, uh, and um, I had to look up how to pronounce that word. I've got a little app that says here's how to pronounce words. So if you think that's wrong, it's too bad. That's what it says. If the app says it, it's got to be real, right? Uh, and so Yodius uh, and Syntyche, uh, he, uh, so uh, is there, we don't have any Yodiuses in here, do we, right? I'd encourage you. I mean, none of my business, but if you have a, have a girl child, you know, don't name her Yodius, right? I mean, just, you know, she's going to get picked on a lot, right? I mean, it just... I know when, uh, when uh, Anne-Marie and Kyle uh, found out they were pregnant and they were at, well, you know, any suggestions for, for names? So I just go through all my famous names uh, in the Old Testament, like Ur, right? It's a name Ur, right? Uh, and and uh, there was one that was named Uz and Buzz, were two names in the Old Testament. And after a while, Anne-Marie just blocked me. <laughs> she, she, you know, I, every, I was la- every time I hit send, I'm laughing, you know, and she's just like, just straight, just nothing there, you know? Uh, I thought it was a lot funnier than she did, you know. In fact, I still don't think she would thought it was funny, but it was pretty funny, right? So uh, I would not name my child Yodius, amen. Uh, and again, if you do it, no, I would never make fun of you, not least to your face, right? But uh, uh, so he says, I beseech Yodius uh, and I beseech uh, Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Uh, and so here he's addressing, uh, apparently there's an issue between these two women. Uh, and so uh, uh, if the King James is a little bit uh, 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 unclear about what's really going on, so just look it up in different translations. Uh, one says, I, I, implore, I implore you two to be of the same mind in the Lord. I call upon you to make common cause in the Lord. I urge you to work in harmony. I entreat you to agree and work in harmony. Uh, uh, I appeal to you to be of the same mind, and I beg you, uh, one translation says, I beg you to stop arguing with each other. So now, of course, you know, uh, because I'm from the, behind the pulpit, I could say, well, see, it's always women fussing, right? Uh, and um, is that a law that only women fuss? Well, no, it's not a law. Uh, and so you take, you take the situation, what it says. Two women are fussing. That, to make a law that only women fuss, Right. And, and, you know, people go off on a lot of these things where they say, well, you know, oftentimes women are in competition with each other. Uh, uh, well, you know, men are in competition with each other, but it's always different, right? I mean, if, uh, if another man wore the exact same suit that I was wearing, I could care less. You know, I wouldn't care. Wouldn't matter at all. Two women wear the same dress, they're going to sit on the opposite side of the church. Maybe nobody says. I mean, you know, now, are all women that way? No. Uh, are some women that way? I, you know, I've never met a man that was that way, but, you know, some women are that way, right? I remember, you remember our friend at, in, uh, at the other church who was with my pastor? Remember, the, the, she, she was there, and another woman in the church had the same dress as on her. And, she, and it really bothered her. <laughs> like, really? I mean, I, I, just, I just couldn't figure out why, right? I mean, I just, maybe this is a thing, right? Uh, and so... <clears throat> 
But, you know, are there any things that men, you know, men start talking about that? You know, what kind of car you got? Well, I got this kind of car. Oh, yeah, I got, I got this kind of car, you know. I mean, you, you want to start a small fight, you know, just talk about Ford or Chevy or whatever, right? Uh, and, I mean, from, I could care less, right? And, of course, there's really, for me, I could care less. You know, you do better on me on anything. I don't care. You know, you wear the exact, you cut your hair exactly what I do. I don't care. I mean, here, well, you know, uh, uh, what's flattery is the, is the best form of, of uh, uh, well, I, there's some saying like that. I don't even know what it is. What's that? Imitation. imitation is the best form of flattery, right? That's the serious form of flattery, yeah. So uh, you imitate me, praise God, you know. Uh, uh, you know, I was taping uh, a mustache and short hair on Jared when he was just a baby, right? In fact, we used to have the exact same pajamas, you know, uh, when... Uh, <laughs> and, uh, in fact, we got one picture of Jared's, like, what, a year old? He's got the, he's got the tie with the suspenders, back when suspenders were a thing, and I got the exact same suspenders, you know, and so... You know, uh, and that's fine, right? Uh, uh, and so, anyway, it's uh, so. But but whatever the, whatever they did. Now we don't know any details, right? We don't know what the source. We don't know what the source of the disagreement is. You know, is it a is it a doctrinal issue? Um, is it uh, a natural issue? I suspect it's probably a natural issue because that seems to really, uh, you know, people are arguing in church. It's almost always about natural things. You know, I'm supposed to be running the kitchen. I'm supposed to be running the kitchen. Uh, and or I'm supposed to be doing this, or I'm supposed to be doing that, uh, and uh, and people when they are, it, it, you find out what they're arguing about. It's like that's it. That's what you're. That's what you're arguing about. Um, and you know, in fact, years ago, my pastor, you know, he he didn't want to deal with a lot of things. So uh, if something came up, he just said, "Hey, Chip, you go deal with this." Well, thanks. You know, I thought you was the pastor, right? And so one time there there was a uh, there was a. Uh, you know, we had a fellowship hall at church, and so people could schedule the fellowship hall for certain meetings. I've got this, you know, meeting here, and so uh, this, this one college-age uh, fella, he had reserved the fellowship hall for a college-age meeting, and, uh, but then a lady in the church also reserved it for a ladies' fellowship, but it was like back-to-back, so he had it from like 12 to 1, she had it from 1 to 2 or whatever, uh, and so, but the, the big conflict happened because uh, a year prior, he'd gone over his time, right? Now, I don't know how long his time was over, but he went over, you know, it was like 12.01, and, you know, and she was all upset. Now, it's a year later, right? So they both scheduled this special meeting on the same day, and they're just fussing about it, and Pastor, you go deal with that. And, and so I don't know what was going on. I said, what's going on? Well, he, you know, he got this room reserved, and last year he went over his time, and, and he can't be going over his time because I'm supposed to have that time, the room at that time, and, and he can't be late. Okay, uh, and so I said, "Well, were you late last year?" Yeah, I said, "Are you going to be late this year?" No. Okay. Well, anything else we got to talk about? Well, you know, he needs to make sure he's out of it. I mean, she just went back over the whole same thing again. I'm like, "Well, he just," I said, "Well, he just said he wasn't going to be late. You want me to like take an arm or something?" I mean, what, what would you like me to do? But she was still never happy. I mean, you know, it's like, "Well, how old are you? Can I see your license?" I think she's older than me, right? And, and, and so. I'm thinking, you know, I don't know how to resolve this, right? Because usually if there's a problem like that, you know, I would have just gone to the fellow and said, hey, you know, last year you were late, you know, it would be really great if you could leave on time, right? If you need extra time, you know, you could move to another room or something and let me have the room. You know, are you okay with that? You know, if you said, I ain't doing that, I'm going to be late as I want to. Well, then that's a problem, right? But he said he was, and it wasn't a problem. He got out on time, you know. I'm sure he was terrified after, after she made such a big to-do over really essentially nothing. How, many, how much time is spent in churches over such things? I mean, just, you know, just things that don't matter, right? 
Uh, there was one lady, I just read about this in the paper, that uh, she, was, she was like, uh, not 100% handicapped, but you know, she, she was, she, it was difficult for her to, uh, to go upstairs. And so, but she sang in the choir. Uh, and so, uh, well, I want to, you know, uh, I want you to build a ramp, you know. And so, uh, I said, well, you know, how about if we just put a microphone down on the, on the bottom of the stage for you, and you could sing there, and then, you know, everybody else, you know. She took the church to court, to court and sued him because she demands an ADA-compliant ramp to be installed. Uh, and, and I'm thinking... Man, if I was the pastor, you know, I, we're just never going to have a choir ever again until, you know, because she was old. It's like, I'll just wait till you die and I'll get it, I'll turn it back on, right? Uh, uh, I mean, can you imagine? You know, it'd be, it'd be uh, you know, she won. Yeah, they had to build a ramp for her. Uh, and because uh, it was, you know, it was a reasonable accommodation according to the ADA and the judge declared it to be so. I mean, if I was a judge, he'd be like, that's a church matter. Get out of my face, right? Uh, and so, because uh, she wasn't an employee or anything. I just, I want to sing in a choir. Okay, great. I mean, you know, as a pastor, I should be able to say, well, you can or can't sing in a choir anyway. Not a fired her from singing in a choir. You know, you can't, how are you going to sing in a choir with, with strife, right? I mean, you're going to, uh, and so anyway, uh, so Paul's beg, I beseech you. That word beseech means I beg or urge, uh, appeal, entreat you to stop fussing. Amen. And I would, I would encourage everybody, we don't really have a, that problem around here, but when I was my pastor, there was, I mean, so much fighting. And, and you know, part of it comes from uh, a lot of, if there's a, if there's a consistent arguing and fussing and fighting going on in a church, start at the, at the top of the church first. If you want to look where the problem is, start at the top of the church. Because around here, I won't put up with that, right? Because, look, if you can't get along with people, why are you here, right? If you can't get along with people, why are you doing anything? If you can't get along, people come, sit down, shut up in, on the back row, and they come over here. There was nobody sitting over here, right? That's where you should be, right over there. If you can't get along, people sit over there, be quiet, until you can get along with folks. You're a grown, you're a grown human being. Didn't you learn this in kindergarten? Get along with everybody? Well, you know, uh, why is Paul uh, beseeching two people to stop fussing? Because people still fuss in the church today, right? There would be no need if this, if this wasn't going on. If this is the only time in recorded history that ever, two people ever disagreed in a church, there would have been no need for Paul to write this, amen? And so is there a need for Paul to write this? Yes, because in the church, there is still fussing and fighting and arguing going on over things that just don't even matter. I mean, just don't matter, you know, who's going to get to serve or who's going to get to this or that or who's going to get to sing this song or who's going to get to, you know, be the door greeter or, I mean, it just... You know, I have seen so much of this stuff over the years. And, you know, when I was with my pastor, I served in a lot of different capacities. You know, I was an elder and I was on the church board and, and beyond just running the sound. And it seemed like no matter what position I had, somebody wanted it. And they would gossip and backbite and backstab to try to get that position. Uh, and it's really embarrassing. Uh, and, and, you know, again, you've got to look at the top. You know, there, there's something about my pastor that was just... You know, I loved him dearly, but, you know, he, he kind of fed off the energy of conflict. You ever know people like that? And if there was no conflict, sometimes he'd just go start something, right? And just say something. It's like, I can't believe you said that, right? Uh, and, and, um, uh, and it, you know, or he would, he, he would go tell something in confidence that somebody told him uh, and just stir up something. Uh, and I, I don't know why he was that way. Uh, I, I prefer peace. Amen. Uh, and really, it's not peace where you're biting a nail and, and holding it all in. It shouldn't be there. 
is the point, amen? It's not like you go sit in a corner and just steam the whole time because so-and-so is doing something and you can't do it. Uh, no, you got to get to where there's not, you're glad that it, everything's the way it is, right? And, and, it, and if you're available to serve, and if there's a, a, a position to serve that, that uh, you're able to do or even that you desire to do, then be glad to do it. And if it's not available, be glad that, you know, you can still go to church, amen? Uh, these are not difficult things, and yet so much carnality gets into the church. And for Paul, you know, this is, this, these words are written for eternity, right? And uh, I, I don't know who Yodius and, and Syntyche is in heaven. You know, they're probably still like, man, I just wish, you know, you could, why didn't you talk about those other folks over there, Paul? Because now we're all, we're here in, in 2,000 years after this event occurred, and we're still talking about them. And they're like, dude, we got over it a long time ago, right? Well, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's not my fault. It's their fault, right? You shouldn't have been fussing. Whatever you're fussing about, you shouldn't have been fussing, right? Remember the, the conflict between Martha and Mary? And Martha goes to, to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, you, will you tell my sister to help out? You know, I'm having to do all the dishes, right? And do all the cooking and cleaning and stuff. And, of course, Jesus said, uh, no. Uh, Mary's picked the better thing here, right? Uh, and, and so, uh, and there was another man that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you tell your brother, would you tell my brother to share the inheritance? Because, you know, tr the traditional family structure of the Jewish family was the, was the, uh, the elder son either received all the inheritance or received a double portion of the inheritance. Uh, and so uh, that, the younger son apparently wanted more than his, his share. Or if he was getting no share, he wanted a share. And Jesus is like, no, I'm not doing that. You know, in fact, he said, don't be covetous. And then, so then he turned it back on that guy, right? Uh, and so, you know, there's always been conflict. Remember uh, Jacob and Esau, the whole conflict there, right? And of course, Jacob was the younger, Esau was the older. And, and so the... the uh, the inheritance, the prime inheritance, uh, uh, typically would go to the el eldest son and through trickery, because Jacob means deceitful coward, one definition of that, and that's kind of what he was, right? He, he de deceived uh, uh, his father into thinking he was uh, the elder son to receive the blessing, uh, because, and it was a spiritual thing, right? It was a natural event, but uh, once the father gave their blessing, you can't, you can't take it back. He can go, oh, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to do it. I didn't give it to you, Jacob. I meant to give it to uh, Esau. Uh, and so, uh, but it was a done deal. Uh, and so he was stuck. And so there was feuding going on for that. So there's always been feuding going on in the church. Uh, amen. Uh, it hasn't stopped. It's been 2,000 years since the New Testament was written. Uh, it hasn't stopped. Uh, but, you know, it, to me, it's really embarrassing as a, a now, in the world, I mean, I, when I was in the world, there was a lot of fussing, a lot of childishness in the corporate world, not unlike the church. I just expect more from the church. You've got the, the Lord Jesus on the inside of you, the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You should know better, amen? Uh, and, you, and if you're always striving to be the greatest servant, you'll never fuss with anybody. I mean, you know, uh, it's like, you want my job? Take it. I don't want it, you know? I, I wasn't trying to get promoted anyway. Uh, and so uh, if we could... Just grow up, right? I mean, that's what he told them. You know, I beg you to stop arguing with each other. Amen? It's always women arguing. It's not, it doesn't say it's always women arguing. Amen? It happens to be women arguing. Uh, and so, uh, but it, it must have been a big enough deal for Paul. Now, where is he writing uh, the book of Philippians from? Anybody know? We all should know that, right? From prison, right? So he's in prison, uh, far away from Philippi, and he writes a letter, and he's got to, while I'm in prison, I've got I to address this. 
you know, because he's been hearing about it. No, somebody had to tell him about it, right? That, that these women are fussing. He's like, oh, I can't believe I've got to dress uh, odious uh, and, and, and syntyche. Really? I mean, I'm in prison, and I've got to address this? Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes as a pastor, you've got to address things, amen? Uh, not very often, but uh, a few times I've had to address things as the pastor of this church. Uh, and uh, there was one time when, when one fellow said to someone else, says, you can't come to this church. I mean, you know, my name's right over the door. His name's not on the door. And so I, I uh, you know, I had to sit him down, had, had him and, and the other people involved in a situation. And, and so, for, of course, the first thing I always do is, did you say this, right? Because I don't want to start with an accusation. Did you say this? Yeah, I said it, you know, because they were wrong. You know, they're, I said, okay, well, let's back up. First of all, you're not the pastor. I said, how you treat each other when you're outside these doors? Really, none of my business. I have no, no influence over that other than, you know, I tell you what the word says, but I have no authority in that situation. You want to treat them, you know, like terrible outside the church? Well, I mean, that's, that's entirely up to you. I'd encourage you not to do that. But none of my business, though. When you walk in those doors, it's my business. You don't tell people who they can come to church or can't come to church. It's none of your business. Uh, and, and, of course, they were one who did not like to be corrected. Well, you know, I said, you're still wrong. And it just, you could just, you know, he was biting a nail. And you could see him puff up the steam, just, you know, he was so mad. But he had nothing to say, right? Because how are you going to argue that I'm the pastor and I get to decide who comes to church or not? Amen? And not any of your business who comes to church or not. Well, they shouldn't come to church here. Well, that's none of your business. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, so, you know, a lot, but those things, are they in the church? Paul's addressing it. Why? Because it needs to be addressed in 2023 that sometimes people fuss at church. And to me, it's just, like I said, it's really embarrassing, you know, that there's ever any conflict at all in a church. And yet people oftentimes get into conflict in a church, right? They get, they get sideways because so-and-so, you know, set the table wrong or, you know, well, we were going to set the tables like this, but, I, you know, they set up the tables different than I want to do. Who cares, right? It just doesn't matter. Amen? So we got to be careful about what things are important to us. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, so anyway, so he, he, he goes through that there. Uh, and I just want to read one of the scripture there in James because it's really a good scripture that uh, I, I could just read it there, but I think it'd be good just to read it out of the Word of God because um, James, in James chapter 3, he says, uh, where envying and strife is, this is James chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, he says, where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Envying and strife. And those two things often go together. Well, I wanted to do that. Well, that's envy, right? Well, I'm not going to be mad at him, you know. Uh, uh, well, that's strife, amen. Uh, there is confusion in every evil work. And so, yeah, somebody set the table up different than what you wanted to set up. So now you're plotting against them. Well, you just wait. Next time, I'm going to get here an hour early, and I'll set the tables the way I want to set them. Well, that's, that's strife, right? You're not trying to be the great, biggest servant. You're trying to get one over on somebody else, amen? How many plotting, and, plotting like that and scheming like that is going on in the church? Somebody's plotting and scheming against somebody else over something that it, just on the natural, you look at it and go, you know, what's the big deal, right? And you wouldn't be arrested for that. But from the Lord's perspective, that's envy and strife. And he said it will breed confusion and every evil work. 
Uh, and so, uh, I didn't write this, you know, Paul wrote it, you know, he's addressing it there in the book of Philippians, and, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, like I said, around here, you know, of course, uh, uh, we've not really had to deal with that all that much, but, you know, as church grows and people come in, you remember in, in Acts chapter 6 there, and, and back, it might be good just to, to read that, Acts chapter 6, um, in Acts chapter 6, uh, it says in verse 1, and, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, so, you know, as churches grow, things have to change and shift, right? You've got to change, you know, like right now, I mean, we don't have like, an, like a, a, a board of deacons or board of elders, you know, uh, I mean, I'm not opposed to any of that stuff. I mean, but if we set up five deacons, what would they do? I mean, you know, uh, what are they going to do right today? What would you do today? If you was a deacon, what would you do today? I mean, you walk in, not really anything to do, right? Uh, and so if you've got... Uh, at this point in time, it was estimated between 30 and 50,000 people in the church. Well, there's always something to do if you've got 50,000 people in the church, right? Uh, and so one of the things they did was uh, uh, to take care of the widows. Well, you know, I mean, we do have widows here, but, you know, we're really structurally we're not really set up to be able to assist widows in, in the capacity that they were doing. Uh, because they had 50,000 people, they had plenty of people to assist in doing things like that. Amen. And so one of the things they did was to, was to feed uh, the, the, the widows provide them for, with sustenance there that, uh, instead of them having to fend for themselves to do that, which is a good thing, right? Not, nothing wrong with that. But it says that when the, when the uh, disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So uh, apparently the Hebrew widows were being taken care of, but not the Grecian widows, right? Uh, and so they were unhappy about that. And, uh, and so anything, anytime that something is not going perfectly uh, well, your best course of action is to murmur. Is that right? No. To gripe and complain and to, to whine about how you're not being taken care of the way that you as a minimum should be taken care of. That's always the best course of action, right? You go back to the nation of Israel, every time they murmured, God was glad, right? Is that, is that true? What happened oftentimes in the old covenant when they murmured? the earth would open up and eat them, right? Just swallow them, just, you know, murmur, just, and they're gone. I mean, it just, you know, and so the thing is, this has been, uh, you know, 15, 1600 years since Moses was around and those things were going on. They hadn't learned anything. It's been 2000 years since these words were written. Has the church learned anything yet? Murmuring? Here we go again, fried chicken again. I mean, how many times are you going to eat fried chicken, you know? Is there not anything else in the whole world besides fried chicken? I mean, God invented other stuff besides fried chicken. You know, I'm so tired of seeing fried chicken. I mean, people just murmur, right? Free food, you know, murmuring, right? Uh, and so somebody get the last chicken leg. I don't like, I don't like chicken, you know, breast, you know, white meat. Just, I like dark meat, you know, and they took the last piece of, you know, and just murmur, 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 Just, uh, we haven't learned anything. They didn't learn anything from the Israelites. We haven't learned much from the, from the nation of Israel, right? Uh, and, or the, the, uh, the, the early church, right? This is the church, Amen. Uh, and so, strife, envy, amen? The, the Grecians are envious over the, the, the he, Hebrew widows. You know, and they're all widows, right? Well, our widows are better than your widows. I mean, is that a thing? Uh, but there, is there fussing going on? Why was this story recorded? So we can learn from their mistakes, amen? Uh, instead, we like, okay, we should, we should murmur. That's the best way, that's the best course of action, Right? No, we're not supposed to follow their example, amen? We're supposed to learn from their example of being wrong. Uh, and so, of course, it says, then the 12 called the multitude of disciples uh, unto them and said, it is not reason or not, uh, does not make sense that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Uh, 
So they wanted the, the apostles to get off the floor from praying and get out of the scrolls from reading and studying and go set up the tables and feed the widows. That's what they wanted. And, and, and they're like, no. You know, I mean, that, that's not an unimportant thing, but we're called to study and pray, amen, uh, and, and to preach. Uh, and so if, if I'm waiting on tables, it doesn't mean I'm too good to wait on tables, but if I'm waiting on tables, I'm not praying and studying. And so what's the most important thing in the long term is to pray and study, right? For the apostles to be praying and studying. Now, some people have a really hard time with this verse, right? They have a hard time that, you know, pastors think they're better than everybody else. You know, they should, they should work, they should be the hardest workers in the church. And it's like, really? I mean, I, I, you know, I got no problem with working hard, amen? But in, in, you know, in my thinking, I only have so many hours in the day. If I spend an hour waiting on tables, that means an hour I'm not studying. And, and my, my only calling on this earth is to preach the word of God. Amen? It doesn't make me better than anybody else. And, and look, if, if it needs to get done, I don't have a problem doing it. Amen? But if there's people doing it and I cannot do it, then I'm fine with not doing it too. I don't, I don't feel bad about it. I don't think I'm better than anybody else. It's not a measure of me being better than anybody else. It's for this reason right here. Amen? And, and I, uh, I remember one time, this was many years ago, uh, it was after a church meal, and a couple of the guys were just sitting on the tables, you know, and, and I'm wiping the tables down, right? Uh, and so one of the fellows go, now he's sitting on the table as I'm wiping the table down. He goes, you know, Acts chapter 6, where, you know, the, the disciples said, or the apostles said that, uh, you know, they should study and pray instead of waiting on tables. He said, I, I believe that's true. You know, the pastor shouldn't have to be doing, uh, waiting on tables. You know, uh, people should be doing that. As I'm doing it, right? Uh, and as he's not doing it, he's saying this is what should be done. And I'm like, okay, well, I agree with you. Why are you still sitting there, right? And so... <laughs> Uh, I, I remember years ago, I was with my, my pastor, and, and I walked in, and um, there had been a, a, a leak in, in the women's restroom, uh, and there's water all over the floor. And, you know, that, there's 200 people at the church, 150 people at a church or so. It was a Wednesday night, so there's probably 80 or 90 people at the church. But anyway, so there's a lot of people there. He's in the bathroom mopping the floor. And, and, and so I walked by, and like, what? First of all, why are you in a women's restroom? And secondly, why are you, why are you got a mop in your hand? I said, give me that mop. He said, no, I'm going to mop this floor. I said, no, you're not going to mop the floor. I'm going to mop the floor. And, and he kind of got, you know, a little uh, sideways to me. I said, I said, Pastor, I'm not leaving here without that mop. You will leave here, and I'm going to take that mop from you. And he had a black belt of karate. You know, he could have killed me three ways without me even knowing it, right? I mean, I could have been dead and wouldn't even know it until I got to heaven. But, uh, but you know, I prevailed, and, and um, I, didn't man- I didn't physically take it out of his hand because, like I said, he could have hurt me without me, you know, in a lot of different ways without me knowing it. But, but so, because from my perspective, he had no business mopping the floor. Now, he did it. Not, he didn't do it to, to, to well, I'm going to show them. I'm going to mop the floor. He didn't have an attitude about it. You know, he had a good attitude, the right attitude about it. It needed to get done. He was there to do it, and so he was doing it. But I can't believe how many of you walked by. I mean, you know, you had to walk by him to get to the, where the food was. And everybody, I'm sure, you know, a dozen people before me go, looked at him and go, wow, man, I'm hungry. And kept on going. Now, and so, uh, so what was he not doing while he was mopping the floor? He wasn't studying and praying, right? And so, um, you know, it, it, it's, there's always a balance in those things, you know. I, I don't worship him in doing that. I didn't worship him in doing that. But, you know, I, I think Acts chapter 6 is a, is a pretty good model for us. 
uh, at least far, as far as the role of the apostles, not the role of murmuring, amen? Uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> you know, for, for me, uh, as, as the pastor, uh, if we want the Spirit of God to move, we need to have a, a, a place that's inviting to the Spirit of God, a place of love and a place of peace. Uh, and, uh, you know, people don't realize oftentimes that, uh, you know, they come in on a Sunday morning and if they bring all the baggage that they've been dealing with all week long into the church and they're still fussing, you know, when they're sitting down, and the, the Spirit of God doesn't want anything to do with that. I, I remember just one time in particular, this family walked in and they've been coming to the church for a while. And I don't know what was said, but whatever was said, they brought it right into the church. And as soon as they did, the Spirit of God's like, you know, you could just sense he's just doing here. I ain't doing nothing. They've been so mean to each other. And you could just, I mean, you could just sense that the Spirit of God, he just, he just I'm not doing nothing. You know, they're going to sit there and be mean to each other. I ain't doing nothing. I ain't, I ain't giving you my presence. Uh, and it wasn't that he was punishing us, but he couldn't move uh, because the atmosphere wasn't inviting to his presence. And so just, I had an unction. We just taught on love the whole, whole service. You know, it wasn't my message, you know, my normal Sunday morning message, uh, wherever we were at at that point in time. But, um, and they don't even, I don't think even today they still realized that they, they impacted the entire service because they got into strife. What do you think Yodius and Syntyche had been doing? Causing difficulty for the Spirit of God to move freely in their midst of their church. Uh, because where, where there's envying and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. Do you think the Spirit of God wants to move in that, in that situation? No, he doesn't want to move, and he won't move in that situation. Uh, and so, you know, he'll give the unction to the pastor to, to deal with it. But look, it, uh, sometimes, you know, people will get crossways with the pastor and um, they'll, just, they'll come to church and sit on the second row and just give him the evil eye the whole time. Uh, and it's like, why, why are you doing that? Just, just go somewhere else, right? I mean, if you can't get along with the pastor, why, why are you going to church there, right? Well, he needs to... Just, you know, or, or they'll give the, their uh, person on the same row an evil eye. You know, heaven forbid somebody sits in your chair, right? Well, they're sitting in my chair. I mean, did, that, did, did you pay for that chair? I mean, you got your name emblazoned on that chair, you know? I mean, sometimes they got, like, in memory of, but that's only after you die, right? And so, you know, you don't get a plaque in the chair until you die, right? And so once you're dead, it doesn't matter who's sitting in that chair anyway. And so uh, it's uh, how, how much, uh, how much uh, uh, fussing and fighting is going on in churches. And it, for, me, for me, the only thing that matters is I don't, I don't even care about the fussing. What I care is that it impacts the move of God. It impacts the ability for God to move freely in our midst. And that's when I care. You know, I mean, you do it outside, you're fighting in the, in the parking lot. I don't care, you know, whatever, you know. I, I mean, I may go out there and look in, in, and start a pool. I, I'm betting on that guy right there, right? Uh, but, I, you know, I don't care. I mean, you're not, you know, you out there, Spirit of God's not, he's not out there. He's in here, right? And so I know he's out there too, but you know what I'm saying? And so I know Dr. Dufresne, when he first got saved, uh, uh, he was a deacon in his church, and uh, somebody said something against the pastor. He, it was to another deacon. He just knocked him out. He was out in the parking lot. I just punched and knocked him out. <laughs> I'd encourage you that that's not the best approach to things, right? And not necessary, but uh, uh, so, so again, why? Uh, and I ask this question because it, sometimes we gloss over this. Well, you know, uh, you odious, and the, you know, these aren't the people here today. They're not here today. But the reason why this is mentioned is because there's still fussing going on in the church today, right? And it's, so remember that. That's why if that's here, 
do you want your name to be on, on, emblazoned for eternity? Oh, you're that guy, right? You get to heaven. Who, where's Yodius? She'd be like, rah, 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 you know. <laughs> where's, where's Syntyche, right? Uh, and, of course, I guarantee you they're best friends now, right? Oh, we got over that long time ago. Like, well, like how long ago? Well, I mean, it's been like an hour. I mean, we've been in heaven now for 2,000 years. We're over it now. You know, it's been like minutes since we've been over it. And so, uh, well, we want to we wanna make sure that we, we avoid that. Amen. Because the number one priority in the, in the church, in the sanctuary, is for us to come with the desire for the Spirit of God to move. Uh, and if you'll do that, he'll move freely and, and in a big way in, in our midst. Amen. If we come all just, you know, all this baggage coming on with us uh, at church. And I know, you know, uh, there's a lot of different reasons why people need to come to church. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you need to go just to get assistance from the Spirit of God. And that's fine, right? Uh, but the strife part is the issue. When there's strife in the church, there's, there's a problem, amen? So we have to, we have to be careful about bringing bringing the world on into the church right bringing in that strife into the church because uh, if you're the cause of the spirit of god not moving you think the lord jesus is going to bring that up again sometime you stand before the lord jesus at the, the at the at the judgment seat of christ you know he's going to judge you know all the deeds done in the body both good and bad and he goes hey you remember that day right there you know here here's what my plan was He'll, he'll just, you know, Gabriel hit, you know, go to slide three. That on this day, my plan was to heal this person, get this person saved, and, you know, uh, have a great message. That was my plan. Here's what happened. You came in, and I left. Uh, and uh, uh, would you like to have a comment about that? No, sir. I don't, I don't have anything to say about that. <laughs> that would be your best, your best response. Or, uh, Lord Jesus, I beg for mercy and ask you to forgive me. Uh, that would be the appropriate response, right? Uh, it would not be appropriate to say, well, Lord, you don't know what they did. If you bring anybody else in on your repentance, it never works out for you, amen? Uh, and so, anyway, so uh, he, he goes on in, into verse 3 there, uh, and he says, I entreat thee also, true yoke, feller, you, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, which uh, Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Uh, and I'll re- read this in, in the New King James. It says, I urge you also, true companion, help those women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And so uh, Paul uh, is, is addressing a, a singular person in verse 3. We don't have any idea who this fellow is, right? And, and so if, if we don't know, then it's not important to know if it doesn't say who it is. Uh, it's probably, it's a good chance it's the pastor of the church, right? Because he's a, a fellow worker uh, with Paul there. It, wouldn't, it would not be unreasonable uh, for it to be, um, uh, for, for him to be addressing the pastor of the local church there. Uh, but whoever he is, uh, he's uh, asking uh, that person to help the women that have labored with him in the gospel. Uh, and so it could include, and probably does include, Yodius uh, uh, and, and uh, Syntyche there. But in other uh, books of the Bible, he talks. He has a long list of assistant people that have helped him in the ministry. Uh, plenty of women in, that have helped him in the ministry. Uh, and so I don't know why women have gotten such a bad rap in the church as a whole. Uh, you know, they should be uh, able to to uh, serve, Amen, in a full and complete way. Uh, and so. 
Paul talks about and calls them uh, deaconesses, right? Uh, there's uh, prophets that are women in the, in the Bible. Leaders of Israel are women in the Bible, right? Uh, and so um, I don't know why, why it's such a big deal, right? I understand uh, we, we may get into First and Second Timothy at some point in time where there's some structure of the church that's discussed. Uh, but um, he also uh, mentions uh, Clement also, we don't know who this fellow is. There was, from a historical standpoint, outside of the, the Word of God, there was a historical fellow named Clement that was part of Rome and was well-known in the church and was, was, uh, uh, was one of the founding uh, members uh, of the church at Rome. And I think he's even in the line of the popes from the Catholic church, uh, even though you know, Peter didn't actually start the church at Rome in spite of what they say. Uh, but um, uh, Clement was a known figure from history, and um, uh, and and you know he was uh, he has lots of uh, Christian writings that were not part of the Word of God, but but were helpful from that time period of the first century. And was that the same uh, Clement? Uh, we don't know, uh, but um, you know could have been because he's he's specifically called out by name here, uh, and so. Uh, he had a lot of a lot of uh, valuable writings uh, that uh, I've never read anything after him. I just was reading about the history of him and uh, how he was a, a, a well-known figure of his time. And it wouldn't have been unreasonable for for Paul to say, "Hey, I've got this other senior minister here. He he's very helpful. He can assist you." You know, sometimes uh, even as a pastor, you know, it doesn't happen very often. But if I need assistance, you know, I'll call Brother Randy. You know, he's been in ministry much longer than I have call other pastors that, I've, that I know that's been in ministry longer than I have. And, hey, you know, this is going on. You got any, any wisdom that uh, would be able to assist me in the situation? Uh, and so, uh, you know, who knows how big of a deal this war between Yodius and, and Syntyche was, right? I mean, they could have been out brawling in the, in the barking lot for all we know, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, the, and, he, and then he finishes up at the end of it. It says, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And so uh, uh, we've got a little bit of time here. Uh, and so the book of life is, a, is an interesting uh, concept there. Uh, the book of life is uh, 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 in heaven. There is a book that has everybody's name in it. Uh, everybody that's going to go to heaven, his name's in there, right? Uh, and so uh, we don't know when our names get written into the book of life. Uh, are they already there from before the foundation of the world, before we arrive on the earth? Are they written when we breathe our first breath on the earth? Are they uh, more than likely, if it's, if it's after the human is created, then it's, it's at conception, not at birth. Uh, and, uh, but m more than likely, I suspect that, that uh, everybody's name is written in the book of life already. You know, people that are born tomorrow, their name's already there. People that are born 100 years from now, their name's already there because does the Lord know they're going to be here? He does. And so uh, is every child uh, born alive unto God? They are, right? We've gone through that many times. Uh, and so every child that's born into the earth comes into the earth alive unto God, right? Uh, and it's only later on when they go through the, uh, 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 we call it the age of accountability, when they choose to do wrong, and then Paul says, I was alive without the law once, but sin revived. Uh, but when sin revived, I died. Uh, and so, so uh, I, I suspect, we don't know when the names are written, but uh, we do know that names can be blotted out. Uh, and so uh, back in, we'll start all the way back in Exodus. 
uh, so this, this book of life uh, has been known for a long time, right? It's not just the New Testament concept. Now, back in Exodus, this is with, uh, with um, Moses. Uh, and uh, I'm just going to read a couple of verses real quick. You know, we're going to read the whole context of the story. But uh, in verse 32, this Exodus 32, verse 32, it says, Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book, which thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. And so Moses uh, was asking to be the substitute for somebody else, right? He said, if you can't forgive them, then take my name out of the book of life. And the Lord said, I'm not doing that. Who's ever, who's ever sinned against me, I'm going to blot his name out of that book. Uh, and so apparently everybody's name is in the book, but all, so, so the worst case is uh, your name gets blotted out. Best case, your name's already there, amen? Uh, and so um, <clears throat> now when does it get blotted out? You know, I don't really know. I, I suspect that it gets blotted out when the opportunity to uh, have it in there or not have it in there comes to an end. And that, com- that happens when we breathe the last breath on the earth, amen? Because it all, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if our name's in there before, we, before uh, we're on the earth, which is I suspect it is, and it's there while we're a child, and then we uh, commit uh, sin and then uh, die spiritually, then, uh, then it would be blotted out, and then when we get born again, then it'd be put back in. Uh, and so, again, I don't ever see anywhere where our names are written in there. And so if it was written there after we got born again, then, then there'd surely be something said in the Word of God about that. So I suspect that all of our names are written in there from before the, there's a first star or blade of grass or anything created. Uh, it, all of our names are there. And when we breathe our last breath on the earth, if... Uh, uh, if we make the wrong choices on the earth, then at that point in time, it'll be blotted out. Uh, he says, uh, even in, um, uh, we'll just read a, a few verses. Uh, the book of Revelation has a lot to say about the book of life. Uh, he says in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 5 of the book of Revelation, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in, in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. In uh, verse uh, chapter thirteen, verse eight, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from from before the foundation of the world. Uh, so this is talking about um, those that are worshiping um, the false prophet and the beast. Um, uh, and so, all the way down to uh, Revelation twenty, there's not all the references of this, but I'll just read a couple more here. Uh, Revelation uh, chapter twenty, verse fifteen, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So, so that's, uh, notice it doesn't say, and whoever sinned a certain particular sin uh, is going to be thrown into the lake of fire, right? So uh, lake of fire, it's either your name's in the, in the list or you're not on the list. This is the list you want to be on, amen? You don't want to be on a bad list. You want to be on this list, right? Uh, and if you're on this list, then no lake of fire for you. If you're not in this book there, then your name was blotted out, then, um, then you get the lake of fire, right? And so, uh, and of course, we know we've talked about that uh, to some extent, that um, what, what sin do we miss heaven for? Do we have a list or is it, what's that? Not accepting, not accepting Jesus, right? What about bank robbery? No. What about murder? No. What about rape or incest or any other terrible uh, sin that we come up. What about uh, 
eating too many donuts. Is that a sin? What about worry? That's a sin. Um, no, no. The only, only way that your name is going to get blotted out of the book of life is if you don't accept the Lord Jesus. Amen? Yeah. And the church has a really hard time with that sometimes. You know, like, well, we, we, we want this list over here. Well, okay, so you can't repent of that list? I mean, if you can't, if you can't repent of the list, then, then it's an unpardonable sin. The only unpardonable sin there is is not accepting Jesus. Once you breathe your last breath on the earth, then it's too late. Amen? Uh, and so, um, so anyway, the, these things are, um, uh, the book of life is an interesting thing. And so Paul was just encouraging them, hey, we all, all of us here today, our names are in this book. Amen? When we get to heaven, is it like one book? It, it never says a, a plural, right? So it must be a really big book. Amen? Uh, and, and so that'd be interesting to see what kind of bookcase that thing's on. Uh, but, um, um, so I think we're about done for that right there. So, it's, it, to me, the book of life is an interesting thing. Moses knew all about it. You know, he was, uh, there's only two references in the book of life in the Old Covenant, and, and Moses was talking about it here. He's the only one who apparently had any insight into that, which can, kind of goes back to Moses really knew a lot more than most people ever will ever know their entire life. Amen? Uh, and he had a lot more revelation than, than um, probably even many people in the New Covenant had about things. Uh, and so he had apparently a revelation of the book of life. Now, he made, a, he, he, he made a deal that was not possible, right? His deal was he wanted to be the substitutionary sacrifice. And God's like, I've already got one of those. His name is Jesus. He hasn't arrived yet, but nobody else gets to have that role because you're not qualified. Uh, and, but Moses, you know, he stressed it a little bit here, there, uh, in, back in the book of Exodus, uh, beyond uh, his ability. He was not worthy to exchange his name for somebody else. Uh, and so... Uh, but people do still trying to make that same exchange. Lord, uh, put that sickness on me instead of my child. Jesus already paid for that. Why you, you can't do that deal, right? He's already he's already made that exchange for you. Uh, and so, so we'll pick it up uh, in uh, uh, chapter four next week there and continue on that. But uh, but I th- just thought it was interesting. Paul has to address some some uh, local church issues here in verses two and three. And um, are there ever any local church issues? I and mean, we read, you know, several of them, right? Just talked about several of them uh, that's uh, been going on when from the time of Jesus, there's just, you know, if there's human beings, there's, there's going to be conflict and strife on occasion. Amen. Uh, and so um, it's just part of the deal. Amen. Uh, and so what's that? Oh, too much ego. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so, uh, so, uh, uh, you know, my job's easy around here because all y'all are wonderful people there. Uh, but, you know, we get 100 people in here tomorrow, there's going to be somebody fussing about something, right? Uh, and so uh, it's all good, amen? Uh, and, you know, the uh, nice thing is, you know, you, as a pastor, you can deal with kindness and mercy and try to help people. Hey, we're all servants here, amen? We're all just trying to serve. Uh, and no need for any strife at all, Amen. And some people are just belligerent. They're just, you know, they're just they're brawlers, right? They're always fighting about something. And you always got people like that uh, on occasion there. But um, that's okay. We'll deal with it. And amen. Move on. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you that we, that we are written. Our names are written in the book of life today, Father. And we stand before you and you call roll. Uh, you'll mention all of our names, Father, because we have chosen to accept you, to live for you, Father, to, to allow you to be our Savior and to be uh, the one who's died for us, shed blood for us, Father. We choose to accept that. 
And we believe in you, Father. And we thank you, Father, that our names are written in, in, in your book and they will not be blotted out, Father, because we will, we will continue to live for you all the days of our life. And we thank you for that, Father. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. You know, to, to me, it's, it's always interesting. You know, you, Paul is, uh, is talking about these, these giant things, about the crown of life, you know, and all these big ideas. And he said, you two over there, quit fussing. Stop it right now. Right? I mean, it's just like, you know, it's, he has to take a hard right and deal with the children in the corner instead of talking about, hey, well, let's go back to eternity, right? Let's talk about eternal things that are important. Uh, you too, stop it. Stop it right now. <laughs> so it's just, it's just funny, right? <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. Amen. And um, <laughs> uh, the Lord is good, right? Yeah. I'm sure that uh, these two ladies are fine now in heaven. Uh, because, you know, they're not so bad off as some of the other people that Paul mentions, like, man, I'm glad I'm not that guy right there, right? I mean, some of the people he names, right? And this guy right there, you know, uh, he's involved in heresy, and I'm like, wow, I'm glad I'm not him, right? So come ahead, Mr. Darren, receive the offering. So uh, appreciate y'all letting me go to Ireland, you know. Uh, I, uh, did y'all enjoy Miss Marilyn this weekend? She always does a good job, right? And um, she's a good, solid uh, minister, been around a long time, has got great insight into the Word of God and has great testimonies and I uh, appreciate her coming and imparting uh, uh, things into the ministry here, into your lives specifically um, while I was gone over in Ireland, right? And so, uh, but uh, it was a vacation. In fact, they, they said, uh, uh, did you play golf? Because my, my window, the hotel, I was looking at this beautiful golf course. I said, I didn't play golf. I'm here to work, you know? I mean, I, you know, I'll, I, I I just get my pastor in heaven would be like, you know, uh, first thing I saw him when I get to heaven, be like, did you play golf that day? I didn't play golf, right? But, but you know, um, when, when you go there, it's not for, you know, I don't go to vacation and get to do all these things. Uh, you know, I just, uh, um, I go to their work, amen? Now, for the, when the thing was over, we went to the, to the pastor's house and we got to enjoy fellowship there. And, and I have a problem with, with doing those things, you know, if, if it works out, the timing, that's fine. But I preached every single day, so every single day I was back at the hotel and studying and praying and preparing for the services. Amen. I wasn't, you know, playing golf, you know, although it, would have been, it was a really nice golf course, right? And so, anyway, praise God. Uh, we all be blessed, and um, I missed our church meal, though, didn't I? So when's our next church meal? Probably October the 8th. Probably October. All right, not too long ago. So, yeah. all right, praise God. Be blessed, and uh, uh, we'll see you on Sunday.